All right. Good morning, DP City Church. How are we this morning? We are not paying attention. That's how we are. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and get started on our announcements. Um, thank you so much to the worship team. They did amazing. So go ahead and give them a round of applause. So right after service today, we will be having water baptisms. We have both available. If you do not bring a towel or a change of clothes, we do have those. Even if you did not plan on getting baptized today, if you have not yet, I highly encourage you to take that step of faith. If you decide to do this, your life will be forever changed for the better. If you are a new believer, whether saved in today's service a few weeks ago, or maybe you even feel like you haven't yet understood what uh, following Christ is like, we will be starting our New Believers Foundation class with Reggie Lewis and Pastor Steve Ryan after service. They ask for just 10 to 15 minutes backstage to give you the basics of what you just did, some foundations of our church, and with some helpful guidance to the new life that you have just entered. New visitors, please hold your hands up. We have these cards right here. We are so happy that you are here. If you fill it out, you will get a free donut and coffee outside. You can get it after service or you can save it for whenever you'd like. And we also have these blue prayer cards. We have new ones that are white as well, so take whichever one is in front of you. Um, you can fill it out, uh, put a prayer request, a praise report. Go ahead and put it in a bucket, or we have our boxes back there, and our team prays over it every single week. So uh, you guys are always being prayed for. Ladies' Night Out is finally back. You do not want to miss it next Sunday. February 4th at 5 p.m. in the Kids Church over back there. I know Jenica has some incredible things planned for this year. So ladies, you do not want to miss this. You need to be there. We will be starting our biblical citizenship classes on Wednesday, February 7th from 6.30 to 8 p.m. We will have Kids Church and youth available. Initially, this class we're going to be every week, but we are canceling it the 14th because of Valentine's Day. These classes will be 100% worth it. This course is made by Patriot Academy, and this is what they say about the course. Being biblical citizens requires a knowledge of biblical principles and how to apply them to the world around us. You and your church can be the catalyst for restoring biblical values in your neighborhood, state, and nation. So you do not want to miss out on this opportunity. We will host a town hall meeting on February 28th. We would like to secure Charlie Kirk for that meeting that is currently in the works, so stay tuned for more details regarding that event. And Sunday, February 11th, will be our Jersey Sunday. It happens to be Super Bowl Sunday. So wear your favorite team jersey, regardless of what the sport is. We will have free hot dogs and chips available after service. This is a great Sunday to invite a friend and introduce them to our church and the kingdom of God. The Youth Group Hide and Seek Night is Saturday, February 17th from 6 to 9 p.m. This entire campus will be open, which is 11 acres, if you were wondering. <laughs> Reggie's group will not be meeting that night. This event is hosted by Kyle and Sharissa Headley. So youth, bring your friends and be ready for a fun night. And lastly, our yearly giving records have been emailed out. So please give us that information if we do not have your email address. Let us know if you need a hard copy for the year 2023. So speaking of giving, let's go ahead and get into our tithes and offerings. Christians make two significant mistakes when considering their offerings and tithes. To start tithing, is not governed by legislation. It's not meant to be a financial hardship or even to feel like a significant sacrifice. 
However, in actuality, it is a blessing and honor from God if you continue to live your life according to laws and regulations, you'll start to believe that God is restricting your life and your opportunities from happiness and freedom. Remind yourself not to victimize yourself into thinking that God created a book of rules and laws, when in reality, he made it to serve you as a reminder and display of the bounties bestowed upon us. Secondly, your life is not destiny. Your life is not destiny. That phrase may be confusing, but I want you to pay close attention to this definition that's here up on the screen. Destiny, sometimes called fate, is a predetermined course of events. It may be conceived as a predetermined future, whether in general or of an individual. God is not a forceful God. Yes, he made a path for us to follow, and he wants us to follow it. We have one, but God does not force us to follow it. You are not forced to be saved. You are not forced to be in this church. You are not forced to tithe. You need to shift your mindset because you are privileged to be saved. You are privileged to be in this church, and you are privileged to tithe. God is not sitting up in heaven going, man, I just cannot wait for that 10% check to come in from Sierra. Instead, he's saying, I cannot wait to take this 10% and expand it and bless it for Sierra. God is giving, God is a giving God who loves every single one of us, and we need to remember that. So hold up your tithes and offerings and let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your unchanging, everlasting love and faithfulness that you have given us. As we, DP City Church, take this step of faith, I believe everyone sowing into you will be abundantly blessed and blessed beyond measure. I pray that your richest blessings will be poured upon among our church, community, and our world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So you guys can go ahead and bring up your offerings here at the bucket and then go ahead and welcome up Pastor Bob.
one would dare believe now it's reality how many broken men given a second chance see all the lifted hands that doesn't get your fire started, your wood's wet. You know, I believe God's getting ready to do something. Well, he's all, I believe he's already doing it cross-generationally. He's doing something that's bringing in the young and the old, and they're not tolerating one another. <laughs> Are you with me? Come on, that, that God's doing something, man. When, he, when, he, when revival hits, it's not going to be on a generation. Not this one. The past ones have been on generations. But now this is something that's going to be unique. And are you ready for God to do something? Hold your Bibles up. Say this with me out loud. This is my Bible. It's the living Word of God. Has the power to change lives. And I declare by faith that my life and the life of those around me will be changed by the Word. All right. Go to the book of Acts and go into a holding pattern. I want to make an announcement about the announcement. I forgot, or somehow I got, it got past me, that Charlie Kirk will be later in the year. Okay? So uh, we're trying to squelch that. That's my bad. Somehow it got out that it's coming up in February so it's later on in the year, but the town hall meetings are back on. If you have not been to the town hall meetings, we've had everybody from Sheriff Bianco to whoever, whoever it might be, and we believe that it is time for the church in America to stand up as cities are doing in our town hall meeting, we're doing, coming together saying, we are not going to be silent about the message of the morals and the ethics of the gospel. We are going bold, we are going big, and we're going in love in Jesus' name. <clears throat> you know we've been in a series, if you've been with us, in a series on being plumb line for the future. And if you've been with us, you know what the plumb line is. A plumb line is an ancient item that uh, the ancients used to find level. 
And there were no ancient buildings, pyramids, whatever structures, tunnels, whatever they were, they were built. They were built according to plumb, perfectly level. And I'll say it again. Any place on earth that you take a plumb bob, that's what this is called. I don't know why it's called a bob again. But um, you take a weight like this with a point and you hang it. When it stops swinging, it'll point to the dead center of the earth, any place you are on earth. And it shows perfectly level. And if you build a structure and it's not level, it's not going to stand. And the ancients understood that. That's why there are so many uh, uh, buildings and structures that have survived the millennia simply because they were built in plumb. And so we're talking about living our lives plumbed according to the Word of God. So in other words, I said to you last week, this is spiritual plumb. This is biblical plumb. This is the way you live your life. And the only way to live your life level with the kingdom of God, to be living stones, the Scripture says, Jesus would build his church out of living stones that have to be plumbed. And when we don't live our life according to God's word, which is our plumb, what we end up doing is cut it off. That's exactly what happens. As soon as in an area of our life that we cut off, we nullify God's word, we take it to a place where it's no longer the level for our life, then what we have done is we've cut ourselves off from God's design of who we are and how we are as living stones. If you've been with us, you know that in this series. That's what we've been talking about. And so Jesus said he was going to build living stones that would be plumbed to his word. People that would stand strong and tall ethically, morally, financially, relationally, in every area of life. And when we don't live our life according to the plumb of God, we end up being, in some cases, a train wreck. Emotionally, physically, spiritually, and we become useless to the kingdom of God. Of course, I know that you're not going to do that, but so plumb to the truth. And Jesus said he was going to build a church. Remember, we've gone through um, in uh, Matthew 16, where Jesus said, I will build my church. And he said, I'm going to build my church out of living stones. And he said, the gates of hell will not prevail against her. But the problem is, is hell prevails when we don't do this. Financially, morally, ethically, that we just put the Word of God on a shelf someplace and we don't read it every single day. People say, well, that's kind of, don't you think that's kind of religious? Yeah. <laughs> and it works, okay? Say, well, I don't have time to read my Bible. You just cut the cord. Say, well, are you telling me I have to read my Bible every day? No, that's between you and God. But if you want to be plumb, you're going to know what God's Word says about you, and we're going to do more than survive in this world. So while the world's going wacky, the church is standing tall, and she's walking in faith. So Jesus said in Matthew, he said, I'll build my church in the gates of hell. 
but will not prevail against her. But he made it clear that he was going to build his church out of living stones. Now, Isaiah mentioned something. He talked about a highway. Isaiah talked about a highway. Isaiah 62.10 in the NIV says this. This is what God says. Go through, go through the gates. That's quoting of the city. Prepare the way, which is a highway, for the people. Build up, build up the highway. Take out stones and lift up the banner to the people. So in other words, God's, God's desire is for a highway, a way that people can live their lives, travel and move through life on level ground that's square with the kingdom of God. And it's interesting that he says, take away the stones. Take away what stones? The stones that aren't plumbed to the purpose of God. In other words, plumbed according to the word and that aren't, aren't successfully buildable stones. If you take a stone that's shaped like that and put it against a stone shaped like that, you have no structure. And so in the process of this, we understand that I, he says it's going to build a highway. Now let me show you some pictures of ancient highways here. Okay? Now I want you to look at this for a second. If you see the stones, they're not all perfectly level, but they're level. Now, how in the world did they plumb highways with stones? They used a plumb bob, but they had to have stones that were level. And what Isaiah points out is the stones that don't fit in level end up on the, I don't know, I, I had another picture, I didn't send it to media. Another picture where there's level stones paving the way. How did they know the road they were building in Rome was level? Because they used a plumb bob. And so any stone that couldn't be leveled to the road would be cast aside, cast away. And that's what Isaiah says. Those who will not conform will be set aside. Doesn't mean God's not going to love them. Doesn't mean God's not going to care for them. It just means God's not going to put them in the road. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be used. Anybody here want to be used to God? Okay. So you understand that in the process, they had to plumb those roads. Now, when they found stones that wouldn't fit level for the road, now, remember those roads weren't perfectly level as we do highways today because we pave with asphalt, so forth and so on, or concrete. But those, those roads were basically level, and it's important that we understand that if we're going to live a life that people can follow us, we need a level road to follow. And in the process, Isaiah makes it clear that he's going to set stones aside. So ancient highways were important. You and I make up the way. Bible says Jesus is the what? The way. That's a highway. That's a road. In other words, if we aren't living our life according to the plumb bob of God's word and our life isn't leveled and squared to the purposes, then we're not serving the kingdom will and ancient highways in, in that process. So there's two basic types of living Christians. Okay? 
Now, I'm going to use a word, a funny word. I, I'm a crazy word guy. I've got a stack of books in my office. I love researching words. I just enjoy words. They're like candy to me. Okay, there's a, there's a term that describes some Christians. It's called muddlers, M-U-D-D-L-E-R-S, muddlers. Now, some Christians are muddlers. They're Christians, but the word means ineffective and aimless. There, we all, you all know Christians that are ineffective when it comes to relating Jesus to other people. And, and you got to understand, I'm not talking about you, but they're, they're aimless. In other words, they get up every day, they go to work, make some money so they can go home and go back to work and get on the freeway, make some money, and go home and go back to work and finally on the weekend go buy some groceries and take out a loan to do so now. Okay, and so all they do is they go back to work every week and they go to work until they get back to the weekend and they buy more groceries and now they got to buy gas. And it goes on and on and on and on and on as Christians muddling through life, just doing what everybody else does and not standing out. As believers, we should stand out in the crowd. As people that don't, we don't do just what's necessary. That we are people that are not muddlers. We're people that have a hunger. How many of you want to see a move of God? Okay, okay, watch. Let's start here first. See, we want to go to a move of God, but do we want to be a part of the move of God? And that's what he's talking about. So born again and always, you know, spirit-filled, but full of worry and full of concern and full of fretting. And the, the second word I want to use is what I believe describes what you are, what we are as a people hungry for God's purpose. And it's called metal, M-E-T-T-L-E, metalers, okay? And that word means the ability to cope with difficulty, challenging, and demanding situations with a spirit-filled resilience. In other words, life's going to hit you hard like a train wreck. Anybody been in one of those train wrecks recently? <laughs> Financially, emotionally, physically? You have physical problems. You have challenges in your life. You have people problems. You have children problems. You have husband problems. No, she's, she took a nap. She looked up. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, understand that. There, there needs to be a resilience. There's got to be something in us that bounces back because the world's going to beat you up. The world's after beat you down, pound you down, tell you you have no value, tell you you have no purpose, tell you you can't do it, tell you blah, 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 all the stuff they have to say. The problem is, is when you know what God's Word says, those things bounce off you like a BB against a tank. In other words, you accept the fact that you have value, you have purpose, you have a meaning, and God's willing to use you if you're willing to let him. How many of you want God to use you? Okay, there you go, right there. So, so it's the, res the word resilient means the ability to withstand and quickly recover, recoil back into shape after being stretched and compressed. In other words, you bounce back. Life is full of garbage. It's full of difficulty. You have it. I have it. We live it 
on a daily basis sometimes. You have physical challenges. You have financial challenges. Who has a physical challenge right now? Put your hand up. Okay. Who has a, a, uh, a relational challenge? Don't poke your husband. Okay. Who has a financial challenge? I, 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 give, me, give me 24 hours. I'll follow you, and I'll, I'll, we'll start listing the challenges you're facing. Okay? You do, I do. Physical challenges? 75, looking at 76. Some of you are older, way older than I am. Matter of fact, some of you are old enough to be my parents. But, but nonetheless, um, I'm not going to look at Al Griffith. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you understand that as a people... Life is full of garbage. It, it, how many people become Christians and they don't know what to do with the challenges that come at them and they begin to think they've done something to deserve it? Now, don't get me wrong. I know Christians that are getting beat up that they earned it. <laughs> but how many Christians are doing their best to live a life plumbed to God's word and you still get it, you find yourself in difficult situations. That's when plumb begins to give you stable ground to stand in the midst of the most difficult circumstance and situation in life and not muddle but move through that situation for the sake of the kingdom. Come on. You understand that's the purpose. So our ability to do more than just cope with the hardships of life is always contingent on our willingness to face the challenges of life in a spirit-filled and resilient way that is dependent upon being plumbed to God's Word. Now put that up on the screen for me, would you, media? We're going to say that again. Did you get it? Didn't get it. Have it? Don't have it. Okay, I'll say it again. The ability to do more than just cope. It's not enough that we cope. Listen to this. With the hardships of life, it's always contingent on our willingness, listen to this, to face the challenges of life. Face them. How? Because you're plumbed to God's Word. You're plumbed, you're square with it, you're not perfect, you're a mess just like the rest of us, but you're a plumbed mess. Are you with me? Some of you didn't get that, okay? So, uh, the New Testament word is resilience, and we're going to read here in just a minute. <clears throat> I took a lot of time last week, I'm not going to do that to you today. But I'm going to go through something. I'm going to read something for you. We've been looking at the four prominent sermons in the Bible, in the book of Acts, that are still square today for the church. We did sermon number one. We did sermon number two. And today, in just a moment, we're going to look at sermon number three because it gives you a supernatural resilience, spring back ability bounce back ability. In other words, you, you don't go through something and then kind of like find your way back. You go through something, you get to the end of it, and boom, you go to your purpose. 
because you're focused in the middle of the most difficult situation in life. Never forget your plumb box. And never forget that you have been plumbed as a living stone, Jesus said. Jesus said, I'll build my church out of living stones, and the gates of hell will not hold her back. And so when you're faced with those situations, you have a supernatural bounce-back ability. Um, it's interesting. Um, I, I, in college, I took some classes on metallurgy. And, um, and metallurgy is the study of how to make metals. And uh, in that class, I learned some very interesting things. That Do you know how you make a spring? The way you make a spring, you take a metal spring, is that you heat the steel to a certain point that the heat causes it to lose its magnetic capacity. Now watch this. Take a rod of steel and you heat it until it's no longer capable of attracting a magnet. And then you wrap it around something until it takes shape and then when it cools or starts to cool, you quench it by dipping it in oil and water. And once it's finally cool, you have a spring. Show me that picture. Okay? You have springs. Now, whether they're large or small, as a matter of fact, you drove here on springs. You sat in your car, probably, on springs. Anybody as a kid ever play with a slinky? You know what a slinky is? Okay. So here's the deal. Jesus is looking for a resilient springy church that when the world compresses you, boom, you come back into shape. That there's nothing the world can throw at you. The financial challenges, the emotional challenges, the relational challenges. And that's why when we find ourselves in the middle of the challenges, you've got to go back to the plumb. And so in the process, um, the third sermon is what we're going to deal with. And as we read this thir third sermon, I want you to see resilience. So will you go to Acts chapter 4? And in Acts chapter 4, can you take a little bit more? Good Lord, you Lord. Okay. Now I want you to listen to this because here is a spring building message. This is boldness. This guy, Peter is so springy that the world can compressed him, shoved him in prison. And when they let him out, bing, he bounced right back into shape. And he went bold. While the world was trying and religion was trying to suppress Peter, to get him to keep his mouth shut, does that sound familiar to the church in America? They want to shut down churches in America. You say, oh, no, that's not what they're going to do. Well, okay, then maybe you're right and you're definitely wrong. Okay, um, they, don't, they don't want you. The, the world system right now doesn't want you. You know why? Because the world system is run by darkness. And darkness rules the world system 
just go watch the news. Morals and ethics and biblical values are out the door. Boys in girls' bathrooms, girls in boys' bathrooms, and on and on and on. The craziness. But here's what happens. They, they, they want to get rid of you, and that's what they wanted to do with the church in the New Testament. So they threw Peter in jail. I think they beat him, didn't they? I think they beat him. No, I, well, they beat him multiple times. But nonetheless, they finally let him out. And when they let him out, they didn't realize he was spring-loaded. Okay? Listen, I'm going to start in verse 1, media. Follow along. It's in King James. And as they spoke unto the people, that's the disciples, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees, that's all the people that crucified Jesus, came upon them. They found Peter telling everybody everything from the housetops like Jesus ordered. Verse 2. And being grieved that they taught the people, preaching through Jesus the resurrection from the dead, he's laying it out, they laid their hands upon them and put, uh, and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit, God bless you, howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. Do you remember Peter's first sermon? He got 3,000. And you know what they did? They threw him in jail. And he just came out louder and stronger and springier. He downloaded on them. Now, how many? 5,000 people in one message were swept into the kingdom of God. Now, watch what happens, verse 5. And it came to pass on the morrow that the rulers, the people that threw him in jail, the elders and the scribes, and Ananias, the high priest, that, and Caiaphas, the ones that executed Jesus, crucified him, and John and Alexander and many were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem in Hemet. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked. Now watch what they're going to ask them. They're going to they're quiz them. What have you guys been doing? Okay, they're going to quiz them. By what power or what name have you done this? Now, notice what they start out with. They didn't say what name and what power. They said what power and what name. They were saying, we recognize the power, and we also recognize the source. I don't know about you, church, but that's pretty outrageous. That means people who crucified Jesus are now going, dead, coming. Now they're doing what he did. Right? Watch, watch, verse uh, 8. And Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, Jesus, those of you that get in the water today and you're baptized, met a young man outside who came this morning, unprepared for water baptism, saw water baptism. I think he's 16. And wherever he is, he's 16. He looked at his mom and said, I'm going to get baptized. You know what? Because the younger generations are hearing something. The younger generations are hearing something. Here's a young boy going, I'm getting in the water and I'm going to go home dripping wet because Jesus is a priority. Um, oop, that was another sermon. Okay, where are we at? Okay, verse 9. Oh, let's read 8 again. And Peter, 
filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel. Listen to what he says. If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, which couldn't walk, by what means he was made whole. In other words, if you're asking us how we did this, listen carefully. Verse 10. Be it known unto you and all the people of Israel by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He lays it out there. He says, Jesus alone. Listen to what he says. Whom you crucified. Now listen, you got to realize, these are the people that crucified Jesus. Peter's going, you know what? We did it in the name of Jesus whom you crucified and God raised from the dead and we're going to do what Jesus did because he told us to do it. Because we are living our lives plumbed to God's will. Man, man, that's a Jesus. Help my soul. Verse 11, this is the stone which was set at naught of the builders. There's that stone, and there are those builders. Watch this. Which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. He looks them in the face and says, without Jesus, you're lost. He's looking at the religious elite. Listen to what he says. This uh, is the stone which was set at naught of you, uh, of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given amongst men whereby men may be saved. There is no other name but Jesus. Give him a praise if you believe that. Now watch, watch, he's not done yet, hang on. Verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter, they saw the boldness, not the arrogance. The, pride does, the, the word doesn't mean pride and arrogance. They saw the courage. Listen to me, listen to me. The courage that comes from this. Because while you're faced with the world and you're being challenged by those who hate the things of God, this is where you get your courage. Right here. And you live it and you understand it and you'll be a part of it. So listen to what he says, verse 13. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Oh my goodness. That was a manifestation of the presence of God. Now watch, because you're probably saying to yourself, but, but I'm not Peter. Mark, you upside your head. God didn't tell you to be Peter. He told you to follow Jesus. All Peter's doing is, all Peter is doing is, watch what happens, verse 14. And behold, the man which was healed. So here's the healed guy. Remember the guy that couldn't walk? Now he's there. He's hanging around with him now. He's part of the crowd. Watch, watch what happens. Um, let's see. And behold, the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Man, I want to tell you, 
Where is the church in America to the point that they challenge the church in America and the church in America responds in such a powerful, loving, healing, delivering way that they don't know what to say back? That's what we're looking at right now, church. That's what we're struggling with, to be able to have a message, to let people know that the message is not just in our mouth, it's in our life. It's how we live it. That's how we live, plumbed according to the word. Now, take a little bit more. Hang on, verse 16. So it's, oh, let's read 15 again, media. And when they had commanded them to go outside of the council, they conferred among themselves. So listen to what happens. They send them outside. They said, get out of the room. Go on, stand outside. Guards, you keep an eye on them. Don't let them go anyplace. Peter wouldn't go anyplace. He couldn't wait. Peter's, Peter's ready. Peter is locked and loaded, okay? He's got the gospel. He's burning up in the Holy Ghost, and he can't wait to preach Jesus, okay? Listen to what happened. But when they had commanded them to go outside, out of the council, they conferred among themselves. So now they're having a meeting, private meeting. Watch verse 16. <laughs> I love it. I got to tell you this. I'm going to read something here. And what's always, what's always struck me every time I read this verse is how do we know what they said in the closed meeting? Unless somebody in the meeting got zapped. <laughs> Are you with me? This is a closed meeting. Somebody and all those people that crucified Jesus and are now trying to find an excuse to crucify them, somebody cops to what's going on in that meeting. Listen to what happens. And saying, what shall we do to these men for that indeed not a notable miracle? What that means is we can't deny this. That guy's been lame at the gate for decades. And now he's standing around hanging around with these guys running around walking normal. What can we do about this? Let me say something to you. I believe with every bone of my body, I'm not exaggerating, I believe the church in America is coming to a place where those who are willing are getting ready to be so full of the Holy Ghost, they're not going to be quiet, they're not going to be silent, they're going to go bold, and we're going to see signs and wonders like we've never seen before. Uh, so they said, we can't deny it, verse 17, but that it spread no further among the people. That was hopeless. They thought they were going to stop this. You know how we know they didn't stop it? We're sitting here. Watch this. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. Guess what? It didn't work. They weren't the least bit threatened. As a matter of fact, I can, I can imagine Peter looking over and going, well, that's not going to work, is it? Okay. All right. Verse 19, and Peter and John answered and said to them, whether, listen to what he says. He's answering them. They've evidently let him back in the room. Listen, he says, and Peter and John answered them and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, you be the judge. He said, we're not going to do it. You can, you can be the judge. You can determine that's not what you want. But guess what? Verse 20. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. 
We cannot and will not be silent about the message of the gospel, the saving grace of Jesus Christ, that he'll take the worst dregs of society, people drunk and drugged and possessed and out of control and evil. He'll save anybody, anytime, place. They're willing to call on his name. And we're going to tell everybody about that name. Amen. Come on. <clears throat> so, verse 21, so when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them. They, they say, well, we don't have any excuses left. We can't just punish them without a reason. Because of the people, for all the men glorified God for that which had been done. In verse 22. For the man was above 40 years old when this miracle of healing had been revealed. I believe the church in America, and that includes us, we've always believed in miracles. And I believe we are in a miracle time. Say, well, how... how how do you know that? I just, I, I, I just believe the Bible. That's all. The Bible tells us. I mean, this is a charismatic, Pentecostal, Baptist, Lutheran, Methodist, whatever you want to call it, church. We, we saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. People are going to get in the, in, in the water and be baptized today. You know there's a second baptism? Do you know that, that, that Peter was going on what happened to them at Pentecost? Peter preached that sermon because he'd been filled with the Holy Ghost along with 120 other people. And by this time, thousands of people's lives were changed because they'd been touched by the supernatural power of not a sermon. Not a sermon. Sermons aren't going to do it. Sermons can stir us up and encourage us, but we have to go out into the community and show the world that Jesus is alive, not just by being nice and kind and opening doors, but stopping people in the marketplace, in the workplace, telling them about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. We will not be silent, and we will live our lives plumbed to the Word of God. Amen? So, um, if you understand that it's in your, you know, I had a, a, a gentleman who, and Susan, I don't, did you know Dick Hanley? Dick Hanley? Um, Dick was, a, he was just a, he was just a strange egg. Um, he, he burned, burned to lead people to Jesus. And I used to go with him uh, to Skid Row. I don't even, does Skid Row still exist today? Does it? It's bigger, I can only imagine. And, and he would go out there, and Dick had a booming voice. He did not need a megaphone. He, I mean, the guy's voice was absolutely insanely loud when he cranked it up. And he would stand there on Skid Row with all those high-rise buildings, and he'd start preaching Jesus, and his voice would bounce from building to building to building 
and he just preached the gospel of salvation. Come, let him heal you. Let him deliver you. He just preached a raw, pure gospel. And people would come from out of the cracks in the walls, it looked like. People would, and I watched this. And as he would preach, people would be drawn to him. And not everybody had, and he went there on a regular basis. Not everybody that would be drawn to him liked him or wanted anything to do with him. They just, who is that? And what does it mean? And what is he saying? And they would come forward, and then he'd get them all there, and then he'd tone down and look them right in the eye and say, you need Jesus. You need to give your life to Jesus because he's the only hope. He's the only one that can cause you to have peace at night when you sleep on cardboard. or, you know, he can, He's the only one that can fix what's going on in your life. And you know, I don't know, you know what's going on in your life. And you want answers. And there's only one answer. It's Jesus. It just, I, I, I challenge you. And he would, he would talk so affectionately. He would talk to them like they were personal family members. And he would plead with them. Not in a condescending kind of way, but plead with them. Just like, just try it. Please, I'm begging you, just try it, man. When's the last time you tried a, a doobie, you know? When's the last time you popped a tab of aspirin? When's the last time you tried something you've never tried before? Try this. Try this. Try Jesus. Just say, Jesus, come in. And people would start bawling and squalling and snot and tears and mucus and he uh, people uh, people would end up on their knees and he just he just, he was so full of the desire the passion to lead people to Jesus and things didn't always go well for him as a matter of fact and I wasn't there when this happened Susan will remember this um, a guy walked up to him while he was preaching to the crowd and stuck him three times boom 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 in the abdomen and he went down and it was critical. And there's no 911 there. And they got him to the hospital, and they sewed him back up. And any of you like me have had abdominal surgery, you know, <laughs> I'm not going anywhere for a while after this. Well, they operated on him, and the day they discharged him, he went back to Skid Row. He went back to Skid Row. Now, yeah. Eventually, not that day, eventually, the man who stabbed him gave his life to Jesus the day he died. You know what? That's what this is about. That's what this is about. It's not about going to work five days a week or six days a week, whatever you do, and, and doing what you do to make some money so you can buy some more groceries. You know the drill. We've already done that. And then you can feed your family and take care of it and pay your bills and go back to work and go back and forth. And some of you drive all the way to San Diego every day. I don't know how in the hallelujah choir you do that. But, and then you do this and you just keep doing this. Stop! Take account of your life. You are worth more than that. If you're going to go to San Diego, I don't care whether it's you drive to Memphis every afternoon. I don't care. Wherever you work, whatever the case, your workplace is a pool. Your workplace is a skid row in Dick Hanley's mind. It's a place where you can share Jesus with somebody without being religious. You don't have to put your finger in people's chest. And, you know, how many of the... Did anybody here get saved because somebody told you you were going to fry like sausage? 
One. Okay. <laughs> one. Okay, that's one in the crowd. But you understand that that's what this is all about. If we're going to live plumbed to God's word, then we're going to live it according to the scriptures, and we're going to allow him to cause us to measure up. You know, I, you know, I've been walking with Jesus since 1969. And, and, and go with the Holy Ghost, and you know the story that says about the Holy Ghost born again. But I, I, I'm 54 years into it now? 50? Huh? I'm young. No, I'm talking about how many years. But uh, I'm, I'm still trying to find one. Huh? Plum Bob? Thank you, Robin. I appreciate that. <laughs> okay, enough. <laughs> but, you, but you understand that this is about winning people to Jesus. You say, well, man, I'm not eloquent. I'm not, you know, I, you know what? Dick Hanley couldn't preach his way out of a paper sack. But he could tell people about Jesus in such a convincing way that they didn't realize that it wasn't a sermon. It was the power of life in his words. And he got it from here. And he had a passion for souls. I can tell you this, and I'll finish this morning, that the pastors in this community, we've been meeting, and you know you've heard me say this on a regular basis in my office, I hadn't planned to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you. Um, last Wednesday, we met in my office, and pastors showed up, and three pastors from Redlands, Beaumont, and San Bernardino showed up. And they said, we heard something going on in Phoenix. And... Um, and I said, okay, you know, we haven't really publicized that other than what I told you. You have a born-again uh, born mayor, born-again vice mayor, rest of the council claims Jesus. You have a born-again police chief. I mean, just go down there. You have born-again city manager, born-again city treasurer. Come on. We meet. Come on. Come on. We as pastors meet every third Wednesday of the month in city council chambers with council members to talk about Jesus. Last week, we met in council chambers along with other ministries joined together saying, with the council, we're taking this city back for Jesus. So they heard about this. They heard about it. And they said, well, we heard about it, and, and, and so tell us. And so we started to lay out things that I can't share with you publicly in this public environment, but things that were going on, things that were happening, and, and how God was moving and touching people and people's lives. And, and we must have gone on for 20 minutes, 20 straight minutes, and they're just sitting there listening to us. And so I looked at Chris, and Chris looked at me and said, okay, guys, you're here. What's going on in Redlands and Beaumont and San Bernardino? And they looked at each other and they said, exactly the same thing. <laughs> Man, 
I want to tell you, I want to tell you, we're in the midst of Southern California beginning to be rocked by a move of God, and it's not designed by man. It's not confined in a church. It is going public. It is going bold. God's going to win this valley for Jesus. So now the question is, do you know where you're going when you die? Do you know, you know for sure? Now maybe you do. Maybe you, you know, maybe you grew up in church. I grew up in church, but none of that said it. But the way, the way you know that you are a Christian is not because you go to a Christian church. It's because right here, you know where you're going when you die. You have absolutely no doubt that when you die, you're going to be with Jesus. That he's going to come and he's going to take you. No matter how it is and no matter when it is, you have the confidence of eternal life. You have such confidence that you're like Peter and John and the rest of these. You know. You know where you're going. Now, if you don't know that for sure, you call yourself a Christian, but that means you're not born again. You have a label, but you don't have the content. The label says Christian, but the content is I don't know where I'm going. And the only way that you can know is that you give your life to Jesus. You do what Dick Hanley would say to every one of you. Just simply say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life and I want to have the assurance of eternal life that one day when I die, however I die, I want to be in the presence of God and I want to know the love of God now and I want to be forgiven of my sins. That's all you have to do. But now, if you don't know for sure, you know about that, but you haven't invited that in. That invitation is to say, Jesus, I invite you into my life. Come. I want to be born again, and I want to have the assurance that I'm going to live in eternity with you. That's all you have to do. Would you bow your heads, please? Saints, pray, please. I want to ask you this question. Nobody's looking. But do you know where you're going? And if you don't know where you're going, then I'm going to come down each aisle. And when I do, I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you want to know where you're going forever, then you simply, as I come down your aisle, you simply look up at me, and that's your way of saying, Pastor, I'm not sure, and I want to be sure. I want to come down this aisle. And if I... If you're looking at me and I don't see you, then you wave your hand at me. Okay? That's it. If you don't know and you want to know, I didn't ask you to go to church. I asked you, do you know where you're going? If death comes knocking at your door today, is that you, sir? You looking at me for that? God bless you, sir. Hey, over here. Over here. Pray, saints, please pray. Make that decision, please. Is that what you want, Lord? God bless you, Lord.
Yeah. Satan, is that what you are? God bless you, Satan. I can't, if I don't point at you and look, God bless you, Lord. If I don't see you, if I don't point at you, wave your hand. Wave your hand. Wave your hand. God has this talent to make you beggar. Church, would you look up? I don't know how many people we have, but we're going to pray this prayer with them. It's kind of a Dick Hanley prayer, but repeat it after me. Father, in Jesus' name, I want Jesus to come into my life. I want the assurance of eternal life. I want to be forgiven of my sins. And I want to live in heaven for eternity. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to the family of God.